0: Gaming and BS episode 109, Organizations in RPGs, a.k.a. Classes and Class Organizations, or whatever we decide. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop rpg podcast featuring myself sean and i'm brett
1: uh good guy caught me in caught me in a drink there i was looking at
0: <laughs> i was looking at brett and he had like one
1: two and there we go <laughs> anyway welcome to the show folks glad to have you with us if you're new we've had a couple new listeners join us in the last uh few episodes here so that's been really really cool so thank you uh for those of you spreading the word and a few uh regular listeners you just can't seem to find a better group to listen to. Thank you for continuing to listen to Sean and I. <laughs> awesome. All right, man. Shall we just roll right into the sucker? Yeah. Announcements. All right. So one more time, Evercon <clears throat> January Start a your game. You're right. You want to help us out? Evercon.org. Get some games going. We got Kevin Lovecraft and Austin. You're going to be helping us out doing games on demand. I got Alex camera coming as a guest. We got Ken height coming. Should be pretty good fun. Um, Game Hole, which is in less than a month. Uh, if you need the gaming BS Uber, aka the Rat Patrol, contact Sean and uh let him know so we can see if we can help you out or hook you up with a ride. Bonus BS episodes, those who uh game masters who have recorded um or if anybody hasn't and wishes to, we will be happy to run a little uh recording for you if you're doing something under our banner and uh, let people know what you're running. And if you want to call BS you can call us at two nine excuse me, nine two nine big dice. That's nine two nine big dice. And we have a new email, Sean tells me, BS at gamingnbs.com. So you want to call BS, just type in BS at gaming and, Do and it! Uh,
0: yeah. Hit us, hit us with it. Sean, you got anything else you want to add in there? No, negative. Uh, that's all brett.
1: Damn, we kind of blew right through that. I feel like we were
0: professional. Yeah. As they say. Let's get into a Random Encounter. Let's do it. Random Encounter. Get some emails and some comments from social media this evening. Looking to share it with you. Awesome.
1: You want to start? I'll start. Email from Matt. This is my first time writing in. Been a long-time listener. I just listened to episode 108, SideQuests. And I think you guys missed one of the best uses of the SideQuest. And that is to tie them to different PC backstories. PCs often come up with some very cool backstories uh, they want to explore that may not fit into the current story arc of your game. A short side quest can help with that. For example, in D&D, the PCs could travel to a city looking for something important. While there, a member of the Rogue's old thieving crew could contact them, um, wanting them to join him for a job, or could be in trouble and need of the Rogue's help. Also, side quests help to make travel in in, uh, a game like D&D more interesting. PCs can choose to investigate in the side quest and continue with their journey. I think we touched on the concept of fleshing out the PC's background a bit, but it wasn't so much as, as this pointed of a approach to it, right? Where hey, excuse me, take that and then use those PC backstories as the side quest, right? Saying, hey, um, Sean's rogue has this really cool thing. Boom, I'm gonna flood, I'm gonna use that piece as side quest fodder. So I like that. Very cool, Matt. Thank you very much, sir.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Matt.
1: It's very cool. Glad. Thanks for writing in, man. Next one is over to you, Sean.
0: Ed Nagy. Ed Nagy. Edwin. Right. Here we go. Hello. Hello, Ed. I'm hoping to use your mics for a few minutes to talk about Extra Life, a gaming charity that supports the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. As you know, we've got 24 hours, 24s, of gaming 24s
1: these 24 hours of gaming 20, coming up.
0: 24 hours he tried to come he tried to combine hours and fours together
1: and that tripped us up because <laughs> we're not that
0: quick coming up november 5th at carnage con in vermont very nice yeah but you can't get there from here probably not gotta go down I nine to five past <laughs> new hampshire <laughs> And
1: we just lost the East Coast.
0: Great. Hey, I'm from the East Coast. I can talk like that. Not only from, born.
1: Born there. Yeah, born there and uh, spent like a week there, I I think, is what you said. They kicked me out. (laughs) I think they kicked you out. Anyway, carry on. If
0: any of your listeners are coming, they can join the Extra Life DCC tourney, or as we say in uh, everywhere, Dungeon Crawl Classics, the Casino LARP. Or a midnight run of an unpublished Mike Mason and Sandy Peterson Call a Cthulhu scenario. God damn, that sounds cool. Now the casino LARP. That sounds like that sounds fishy.
1: It sounds a little fishy.
0: <laughs> sounds like it's, somebody's going to be taken to the cleaners. I'm wondering if it's a casino like the movie Casino LARP. I mean, that could get ugly. Casino, casino LARP. LARP. Right. All right. All awesome stuff. But I want to promote something else, if I may. Yes. You may, Ed. You may. Carry on. Yes. November 18th to the 19th, a group of us will be sitting down for a 24 hour gaming session in support of Extra Life. I'm planning about 18 hours of Rapan Thuk. Athuk. Yes. Using 5e. We'll have Frog God Games' own Matt Finch as a guest GM. Nice premiering a new special project that they are working on, and I'll get to play in the unpublished Call of Cthulhu scenario from Chaosium, Hotel Hell. Awesome. It gets better. We're going to stream the entire thing at twitch.tv forward slash enn, that's E as an echo, NN as a Nancy Nancy, 321. And we invite all your discerning listeners to mess with the game for a price. Extra healing potions, make a donation. Want the party to encounter an NPC named Brett, make a donation. Want <laughs> him to be wielding a chainsaw with a V8 engine while roller skating to attack, make a larger donation. We'll do it.
1: And who wouldn't want that? They I'm coming through, through my wallet right now to see what it's going to take to make that happen. They Carry totally, on.
0: they totally stole my idea they're sharp uh i'm super excited to see how our improv skills bear up to whatever comes at us and i think it will be an entertaining event and of course all the money goes straight to helping children sick children who do not want to appear as dead babies in any of your games
1: no fair enough that no no bad right
0: if anybody wants to donate early, the link is in the show notes, or you can go to extralife.org and search for Edwin Nagy, it's N-A-G-Y, or Team Tadpole. Nice. Because the two go hand in hand. As a matter of fact, Ed is known as Tadpole. Uh, he is now. <laughs> <laughs> and, if any- and, we just, and we just
1: lost Ed. Yeah, that's Great. right.
0: And if anybody wants to join our team, y'all are well, more than Welcome. Any more you raise, any money you raise, will go to the hospital of your choice, and we'll give you a shout out during the game. Thanks for your ears, and now back to the BS, <clears throat> Edwin.
1: Thank you, Edwin. That's some cool stuff. This is we talked about this before on the show, um, Sean. I love it when gamers are doing cool stuff. If you've got something like this, you want us to uh, shout out to you. Let us know. We'll be happy to do what we can to lend a hand to get the word out. That's cool stuff. Good work, man.
0: And flood of in Kickstarter emails. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Oh, crap, 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 crap. <laughs> hey, I'm doing anyway. a Kickstarter. Can you I'm a doing a Kickstarter. A- We'd love to have you interview me.
1: Of course I would. What's your name? Hack okay. All right. Next one up, the Goblin's Henchman writes in, despite saying my last email, and I'm not planning on pounding this email address rel- relentlessly, I just want to let you know issue 13 of Ann Magazine just dropped. And the Brown Elves article on... Page seven to nine is mine. All the best. Oh, that is cool. I have, I'm a fan of and magazine. That's ampersand magazine link in the show notes there and mag.com mag.com. Um, <clears throat> it's a free magazine. It's OSRE type stuff. It's kind of fun. It's pretty cool. So, hey, give that a look. The Goblin's Henchman has an article out there. Very sweet. Do it! Thanks, man. That one was short, so I'll take the next one. Chris Angelucci emails us, Dear Sean and Brett. Here's a headline you don't see every day. This would make a hell of a start to call a Cthulhu adventure. I like how the article characterizes the customs official as quote unquote bemused. That wouldn't have been my reaction to finding Tupperware full of someone's guts. Best, Chris Angelucci. Holy crap. Um, he's got a link in the show notes from the BBC. Bemused custom officials in Austria have stopped. A Moroccan woman who traveled uh, to a Graz airport with a bag containing her husband's entrails, a bag containing her husband's entrails. The man's intestines had been wrapped carefully in two containers. Austrian media reported the woman who has not been named explained that she suspected her deceased husband had been poisoned, according to uh, Klein Zeitung.
0: It's a small uh, newspaper.
1: Yes, but it's she wanted a toxicology test carried out on her husband's tissue. He died during an operation in Morocco, the newspaper reported. When the woman arrived in Graz, a doctor was called to examine the intestines, but said a proper investigation could not be carried out without the whole body. Police said the woman had not broken any laws. The entrails had been stored temporarily ahead of further forensic investigation. That is one of those weird. Things. A buddy of mine once traveled with a very large sum of gold. He had it, um, like literally cougarons and such and um he was in a position where i talked about it and i'm like can you do that he said i don't know i'm not sure he said when i went through security i got some weird looks um well, but the- i'll tell you that i've that's that's probably nothing compared to traveling through with a tupperware container or a bag full of your husband's guts that's kind of crazy i like that that's that's definitely a plot in the making thank you chris i'm gonna use that sean next one's yours
0: so the uh in America, you get caught with that amount of money or a huge lucrative sum of money. Uh, the police can seize it and take it. Asset forfeiture. That seems a little weird. Yeah. So be careful. Well, it, it's ridiculous. Well, um, oh, it's
1: absolutely ridiculous. I can't wander around with my life savings in my pocket if I so choose. I mean, kind of. that's just dumb, but.
0: It's an arcane statute. Um, it is indeed. Civil asset forfeiture. It was supposed to, I mean, a lot of people were talking about getting it overturned, but uh, yeah, don't get caught with a large sum of money, man. And the thing is, is the cops don't have to have any just cause. They can just take it because they think that is just cause.
1: Interesting. It's ridiculous. But it's nothing to do with um, gastrointestinal Forfeiture, which is a little bit different.
0: Yeah, I I guess. I mean, if there was monetary value to it,
1: uh, maybe. Apparently, it's easier to walk around the United States with your husband's entrails in a bag than it is a large sum of money. Well.
0: That's that's good to know. That's good to know. Entrails in a bag doesn't go towards funding your police department like civic forfeiture does. Okay, okay, okay. Fair enough. Anyway. we'll get me started on this. (laughs) Jim Fitzpatrick comments on G Plus about side quests. Love this as part of the ongoing contrast between Brett and Sean styles. Choo-choo! Oh, yeah. Yeah, choo-choo! All right. I liked Brett's points about how side quests really give you some insight into how the players are thinking, what's important to them, and if you're the specific kind of bastard GM that I can be at times, how to undermine them a little bit. A good example of this from my own Pathfinder game is when I had the players encounter a weird eccentric halfling merchant in a side quest. He was meant to be a harmless NPC, but the table talk about him told me they were convinced he was hiding something. So I started fitting his past into the story. It really helped, uh, really shaped the game and the plot and the players still talk about him to this day.
1: That's cool. That's good stuff.
0: Another great point from these episodes is what happens if your players get killed or expand resources during side quests? Uh, expend, not expand.
1: Expanded resources
0: is bad. There's just lots more of it. Expending them. Yeah, we're That's bad. expending. Expending resources during side quests that they needed for the main plot. And I think both B and S brought up that adventuring is a dangerous job. Your day could get ruined in a hurry, especially if you play a system like Savage Worlds where exploding dice can make the most innocuous enemy deadly. That's life in the big city, though. You could get killed at any time. If you don't like it, retire and open an inn. Fair point. That's what I'm looking forward to. (laughs) Retiring and opening an inn. Airbnb, baby. There you go. Question for BS Sphere. The BS Sphere... You well when you talk about past adventures does it seem like some of the best memories come from side quests NPCs that didn't matter red herrings that time you broke into a house convinced it was cultists and got chased out by a farmer in his bathrobe
1: You know that's a damn good uh that's a damn good question I'll have to I'll have to think on that I've had a number of um chats my group has come up with like that time when Dracula set them up in my vampire game. They all got screwed by that. And there are a fair number of times when people are like, yeah, remember that time we thought we were on track for something and it totally wasn't that thing. That's I think <laughs> kind of meat and potatoes for gamer war stories. It's I mean, yeah, we killed the dragon. That's always cool, the big fight. But there's that weird thing that happened along the way where you encountered the halfling twin brothers and the weirdness that ensued from that piece is sometimes a- as on was sometimes more memorable than the actual dragon encounter. I've had that happen. That's, that's a good point. I like that. I
0: had that happen in a one-shot at a con. Did you? It was a Call of Cthulhu game, and I can't remember the whole entire premise, and I can't even remember who the GM was. I don't know if it was Chad. I thought it was a dead gamer society guy from that group, and they, I don't know, we went to a farmhouse, right? Because we crashed our car. There was a farmhouse. And then, but we spent so much time at the farmhouse where it really didn't amount to anything. And so at the end, I mean, they kind of sped it up, got us to where we needed to. But in the end, the 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 game master was like, yeah, you guys were spending all this time at the house. And we're like, I don't know. It was there. It was creepy. We were kind of going in and expecting it. And I don't know. But anyways, it wasn't side quest, but definitely something that they, probably should have just taken that out and just plopped us into the next encounter.
1: Yeah. It's one of those times when it wasn't necessarily a predetermined side quest, but yet y'all made it one. And while you're sticking around there, the uh, game master has the, uh, the cue stick. They can hit the clue stick in this case that they could whack you with and say, Hey, y'all whack. Uh, There's nothing here. There's ways to get around that. So interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm going to keep, I'm going to noodle on that one. That's a kind of good, that's a damn good question, Jim. I'm going to think about that some more. Cool. All right. Michael Parker next up he emails us. Hey, BNS, my gaming group <coughs> had an interesting. If he did discussion the other night that I thought might be fun for you
0: guys to address. When does danger feel dangerous? I'll tell you what, if I'm, if Brett's GM and it's always feeling dangerous. That's
1: I do usually put a loaded handgun on the table. Just let people know I'm not. No, I'm kidding. I don't do that. Little
0: violence, <laughs> a little smashing stuff on the table. Just I do owe Alex. shitty mood.
1: Yeah, I do owe Alex for that thing I did at the game whole day of the other night.
0: But hey, it's starting fires <laughs> on, yeah, the table, yeah. on the I, I table on the game table.
1: A little something for that. The mood was set though. I mean, at that
0: point, everyone was terrified. So especially when it got out of hand. Hey, so um, that, hey, that answer's done. That question, <laughs> question answered.
1: <laughs> michael goes on with this all stemmed from one of my players letting me know that he hasn't felt threatened the whole campaign oh, Four sessions
0: at this point see he needs to take some uh, tips from the, Brett's it, and it, it's players, to game here,
1: apparently not characters players not characters is the problem anyway when i probed he responded that the, the only time he ever feels threatened is if he's walking around with two or three wounds we play savage worlds and if that's not happening he simply is not having fun my other players were more of the mind that they'd spent 15 bennies between the three of them by the end of the session. So they definitely felt the danger. This brought up another question. What constitutes danger is danger only present in combat scenarios or is danger that important stealth roll you made as you slip through the door, just uh, as a group of unfriendlies that vastly outnumber you walks down the stairs into the room. Is it the critical persuading you did to keep that neutral target from turning hostile? In other words, can't danger, um be out of combat where one wrong decision bad judgment call or failed role could mean an absolute clusterfuck do all sessions need to devote uh excuse me do all sessions need to devolve into another bloodbath where everyone is always on the edge of death how do you manage differing perceptions of danger at the table anyway i realize there are multiple questions in here but it turned out to be a pretty deep topic when we got to discussing it love the show and love to hear your thoughts all the best michael parker well michael i'll tell you what man i actually had um I'd queued this up. Um, it's going to be episode 111, so not the next one, uh, but it'll be the, the show after that. I want to talk about this, uh, kind of that whole concept of uh, being heroic and danger and so forth. So we are going to get to it, man. So that'll, uh, in two episodes, Michael, all your questions will be vaguely talked about. <laughs> I, won't, I, I, dare not, I dare not say answered because God knows we may not actually do that.
0: Good Sean, anything else? Good stuff. Yeah, no, that's yeah, very good, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh. This Thanks.
1: is that's one of the things when we got done playing at the game hole. Um, we got done, had some beer, sitting down, talking gaming, just bullshitting, thinking about what was going to come next with the Knights Black Agents game. Sean's going to run, and there's something really cool about just sitting down and bullshitting about gaming. It's a hobby and that we all enjoy, and those types of questions are really interesting, and I think sometimes they really give us good insights into our group, what they like, what the different players like. And I encourage doing that stuff at my gaming tables. Whenever, you know, when we've got a down moment, somebody brings up something like that, dig into it a little bit.
0: You learn a lot. It's cool stuff. Thanks. All right, man. Thanks to everybody who's written in. We appreciate it. Nobody called BS this week.
1: That's because the mongrel hasn't gotten to us yet. I think he's, he's warming up. He's probably got, probably had to get, get a new keyboard after he blew through the
0: last one. <laughs> All right, let's get into the main topic. Let's do it. All right, Brett. What are we talking about this week? Now, you changed the title on me, you goof.
1: I did? Did I? Oh.
0: Well, I thought it was organizations, and then it was... Classes and class organizations. I wasn't quite positive
1: how to. So let's just take it the word directly from uh, Sergeant Pemberfoot himself. He wrote in and said, D&D classes and the, quote, class specific, unquote, groups and organizations. Uh, let's talk about the various guilds, groups, churches, and other such operating bodies that's, and, uh, that support classes and all that good stuff within our games. I think there is, in my Avalon world, I have a huge uh, guild set up. I put a lot of time thinking into guilds, how they operate and so forth. And in my old vampire game, there were the clans and there were different structures within them and the way the city was run and these groups and organizations and all this stuff that really helped. um, um, They were either supported or antagonistic to the players and so forth. Um, So I thought we kind of talked through it. And you know what? Here I see Sean has gotten a hold of the notes. And by God, the man seems to have something to say because this is one of the most organized set of notes we've had for a while, which means Brett did not put together these show notes. Good job, Sean.
0: I prepared for this episode, Brett. I felt as as though I was short-stepping on, like, I don't know, the last 50. And I thought, you know, it's time to get my head out of my proverbial crevice. Yes. And actually contribute to this damn discussion.
1: Well, you took your conductor's hat off. I see that, so that's good. Um... (laughs) So <laughs> I think the first so let me see here. The first one you have up here is what is the purpose of groups and organizations? So damn good question. I think the um if we go back to Sergeant Pemberfoot's t- um concept, I think we had if you think back to if you're old enough to remember first edition D and D or the Red Box and all those things, there were always there was always like a grand druid. There were always um fighters or ranger groups and Knight groups, uh, uh, paladins, and all these different organizations of NPCs that were supposedly out there somewhere that your character would find and get trained through or would provide support for you uh, if you need a Thieves Guild or something. Ostensibly, they were there to either help or hurt or something. I didn't honestly start using them as an actual force <clears throat> until well into you know my 20s as far as a Game Master. Through high school and so on, and even in early college, it wasn't that big of a deal. But I believe that the main purposes, and I think what you have here is pretty solid, you know, these groups and organizations that we have, be they fantastic, uh, I I should say fantasy cities or whatever, or even modern sci-fi. You got plot devices, points of reference for uh, purpose, motivation, group cohesion, and inter-party conflict. Ooh, Sean, dude, that's pretty well done there. So when you use groups or do you build groups and organizations, how do you, how do you uh, use them in your, in your group there or when you run something?
0: Well, it depends, Brett, if I'm going to do like a homebrew session and it depends on the setting in the game, honestly. And I know I've said that like, I don't know, probably 50 episodes, but in this case, it actually applies.
1: I think you've said that about 108 times prior to now.
0: That's true. And if I've said it more than once in one episode, it could have been 216.
1: Oh, well done. Well played, sir.
0: Yeah, I know math.
1: You know math. Basic math,
0: yeah. Math with numbers.
1: Math with numbers? Keep, keep uh, the, letters, keep the letters, <laughs> keep letters out of them. Keep the letters out. Yeah.
0: So when I do, 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 I
1: think that depending on, when you run a game, like, say, a Call of Cthulhu, a lot of times you are normal plebs and uh, you get thrust into a world of investigating if you start out that way or if you. Um, <clears throat> Different groups or organizations, not necessarily something that your character, at least in my history with it, not always connected to. Now, granted, you pick up an even modern OSR feeling game like Dungeon Crawl Classics, and <clears throat> it talks in different groups, every class within there, it talks about different types of thieves guilds and fighters groups and so forth. Um, but when we started t- digging through for Knights Black Agents, that is pretty. Rife with stuff. I mean, somebody wants to be um XCIA, somebody wants to belong to this group or have been Israeli Special Forces or something along those lines. It's pretty uh, relevant for that type of game. So is that what you're talking about when you talk about the types of game or campaign in, in question?
0: That would be correct, Brett. If I'm playing okay. D D um and specifically uh, a particular setting, a specific setting. Say for example, Eberron. You can find all their organizations on page 227 of the Core Eberron Setting Book, and there's a plethora of them. There's even more when you start getting into the regions, and the regions uh, in the Eberron book outline the organizations that are within that region, so you almost get even more than that.
1: Damn, that's a lot.
0: There is is a ton of them in Eberron, and then you've got the Forgotten Realms has their own section. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which you can find on 272 of the no. third edition. <laughs>
1: Talk about prepared. Damn, of the dude. third
0: edition or that three oh the three O version of Forgotten Realms. Nice. And then there's of course Dragonlance has their own. And so some of those examples, right, that have to do with classes specifically, if we want to touch on those, um, for Eberron is like Church of the Silver Flame, because it's dealing with priests and paladins.
1: So there, I mean, that's not only just guilds and so forth. When we're talking about these organizations, we're talking about churches as well, right? I mean, if you have a a group of holy individuals, men and women, paladins, priests, and so forth, spellcasting clerics, or even non-spellcasting clergy, a church is an organization that has its own setups and so on and so forth. You know, and if you're a knight, you've got your knightly order. Um, okay, cool. I like that. All right, that works.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So let's say aside from D and D, stepping back aside from D and D, then you can get into you know modern games like even H.P. Lovecraft. I mean, bookhounds. I'm sure you can make an organization of investigators or oh yeah, I mean if you're files,
1: in right. the Trail of Cthulhu setting with bookhounds, you could easily have. I mean, you're a group of individuals who work at a bookstore, and therefore you're going to know people who operate in a similar manner. You're going to have people that are good at you know, stealing books, tipping in pages, all that good stuff. Okay.
0: Modern day depends on the type of game, espionage. When you think espionage in modern day and organizations, then you're talking about, if you're wanting to mimic real life, then you're talking about KGB, CIA, FBI, MI6, uh, you know, Mossad, whatever. All those, mm-hmm. as far as espionage, counterintelligence, intelligence agencies, if you did fiction, you'd make up your own. Maybe it's Archer, which is a spycraft craft yep. setting that tends to dabble in kind of on the X-Files piece.
1: So when you use these, do you use them as just back? Um, how do I do this? Um so we talked about, you know, the purposes. They can be plot devices, point of reference, group cohesion, and so forth. And obviously, then you could have interparty conflict, right? If part of you is a member of a th- one Thieves Guild versus a rival Thieves Guild, you can have problems there. You could be um, Mossad and MI6. You are maybe at odds with what you're trying to accomplish.
0: Or maybe you're working together, Brett. True enough.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: In those games, do you... We've
1: uh, <clears throat> known games like Eberron... Or settings, excuse me. Settings like Eberron and... Some of the like Knights' black agents, or or an espionage, one with very clear cut groups. Do you lean heavily on those, or do you? How do I say this? So, do you, as the game master, or um, like to really kind of amp up the fact that those are important, or do you let the players dictate how much they care?
0: It de- <laughs> it depends on the game that I'm running. Like, what kind of game? Of D&D that I'm running or, I mean, and this could be just as much of a no-brainer as if you're playing organized play for Paizo's Pathfinder game, all, majority, I mean, what, 90% of the people, I don't even know if you can not be a member of the Pathfinder Society. And that's a group. It's an organization. Okay. All right. Right. And if I'm running a game like, I don't know, set in Eberron whether whatever game that might be, maybe it's a espionage game within Eberron. Maybe I'm making the group a part of the dark lanterns and the dark lanterns are in service of a particular royalty hierarchy and they're, you know, doing their thing for the throne, the name of the throne and they're doing their thing. So I guess it depends now. On the other hand, I could, you know, the party doesn't have to be a member of an organization, but those other organizations could play roles as like non-player character groups that influence and screw around. Maybe they're competing and they're always running and butting heads. Okay. So
1: I think an example of that, one of the things I've done, in my Avalon setting is I have a shit ton of guilds. One of my favorite that I've had is everybody in a city campaign at some point wants to go into the sewers, right? Because for whatever reason, adventurers want to go to the sewers because apparently there's adventure in the sewers. So the sewers, of course, lead to <coughs> ancient levels of Avalon that have been built on blah, blah, blah. And every time these guys, these men and women try to do this, they run into these Brotherhood of Sanitary Excavators. That is the guild that controls the entire sewer system. They take care of that entire thing, make sure the river flows through it appropriately, it's flushing this, it's moving that, you've got your cesspools. It's you've got your well, water, and all this stuff. So even if the players choose not to be part of something, what I have found is fun is having a list, say Eberron has, as you said, a very exhaustive list, and picking one or two that are fun or you think might be interesting from a flavor perspective, even if the characters aren't directly members of said guild, when my players try to do something, one of my favorite random encounters then in the sewers is you run into a group of men and women or some brotherhood of sanitary excavators crew that's down there cleaning, you know, cleaning out an area. They're there chopping tree roots that have grown through or they're fixing something or they've blockaded the only entrance that the group wants to use. They've got to figure out how to bribe these assholes so that they can get down and take care of the problem. So I think that even if, from my perspective, even if it's not, the group that the players are leaning on for support or leaning on for adventures. One way to push the fact that these guilds, these groups, these class specific organizations are, um, are important is by, as the game master having even something as innocuous as a bunch of janitors, essentially for the city of Avalon who take care of all the, the sewer workers, basically having those folks be a thorn in the side or an obstacle you have to get, get past. Um, helps promote the fact that it's important in that setting. I would think that in Eberron, <laughs> I've not played it, but I would think that if in Eberron if you ran into a guild of alchemists or something along those lines, that would it suddenly becomes something larger than what you thought it would have to be. Right? I want to go talk to Billy. Well, Billy is part of the alchemist guild and you can't just go do that. You have to follow proper channels and so forth. Am I getting that right or am I Play off there from what you're thinking.
0: Well, that's assuming you're going to divulge the fact that they're even member of an entire organization. Okay. Hmm. So just because you have these orgs, it doesn't mean you have to present it in, in, hey, smack right in the face of the player character. This person's a member of Team Dweeble Guilds, Thieves Guild, whatever organization. It's yeah, just, he or she
1: is a spy and pulls data from you and sells it or whatever.
0: Or maybe they're just a a person. Okay, no, I get you it. You later find out that they're a member of a bigger organization that is plotting to overthrow the local government, or they're trying to raise a supreme being through via you know being a member of a cult and doing weird rituals. They don't divulge that stuff, man. Cutting up goats in the forest, eh? Bad publicity.
1: Exactly. We don't necessarily talk about the thing that we do. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I get that. Cool. So let me think about this. So there are to go back to the the early days, the OSR type of approach of like class specific groups organizations. Um, do you do 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 if you have. In Eberron, I I don't know this for offhand, but are there is there like a mage's guild? Is that the type of thing oh, that we yeah. have there? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's a, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: If you do, if you are a wizard in that, in that world, and I guess in order for that world to really be, uh, how do I do this? It's not, it feels like you, I guess if you don't, the way that world is built, because it's so important where they've spent that kind of time on it, you really kind of have to have that be a piece of the wizard. Character, right? Where they almost have to either be part of it or a reason why they're not a member of it or something along those lines. I mean, if you're in Eberron and you're like actively not trying to be a member of the Wizards Guild, I would think that that's like a piece of background or a question that you would want to ask as a game master to that player, right?
0: That is absolutely correct, Brett. That's a good point. You could, uh, you know, offer it up as a piece to the player character and say, are you going to be a member, you know, in Dragonlance? Are you going to be a member of one of the Towers of High Sorcery, so they have the red wi- red robed wizards, black robed and white robed,
1: mm-hmm. and of
0: course it by alignment. But typically, if you're not a member of the Towers of High Sorcery, you're a renegade, and they they hunt you down.
1: Yeah, they're not keen on that.
0: They're, that's not cool, and so that plays a part in the storyline. Now you can offer it up to the player character if you're a GM that wants to offer that up. You can say you don't, you can't be a member for whatever reason. Or you could say, yes, you can. Which one are you going to be? And they say, well, red wizard, cause I'll be neutral. Cause I, then I can do anything or whatever that is. Yep. Right. And then how, what, what does that mean? They had to have, te- uh, passed the test. Um, there's a test in Dragonlance to get your yep. colored robe. And that's a big deal. So what does that mean? And how did it go? And what alliances does that person have? So <clears throat> i
1: tell you what, that what you just said, right. There's a cool thing that, as a game master we've talked about this before. It's very difficult to come up with a huge ass list of guilds plus every all 33 <laughs> levels of said guild where you go from plebe to grand Poobah. Um <coughs> excuse me, it might be that what you just said there hit 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 me here is. So your character is a member of some group be it fan- fantasy sci-fi or whatever and they say, "Well, I'm a member of this. Are you an advanced member? Are you this?" asking this question like what was the what was the test you had to go through? to become a member of it oh there's no test i just had to pay a couple of shillings and i was in the thieves guild really they're pretty that lax, sadaisical yeah they totally are this thieves guild is uh pretty lax okay that's good to know um but that's a that's a piece you can pull directly from your players if you have a wizard's guild you say well there's this the wizard's guild of amazing wizardry great i want to be i want to be a member of that guild sounds good um and if the player as a player i would say was there initiation? Did I have to do something? Do I owe them something? Do I wear a certain color? How do I denote this? That would be something as a player that throwing that to the game master helps to you know, pull out bits and pieces. And if the player doesn't ask it, then the game master gets to say, so in your trial, what you know, this is the type of test that I'm thinking your guy would have gone through or she would have had to accomplish this task. What do you think about that? And it gives you an opportunity to help them build their at the table and at session zero if you're doing that. Kind of how they how they got in and what friends they made, did they piss somebody off in the trial or whatever? You like that?
0: Yeah. The thing okay. is the thing is is all that could be bullshit. Huh? Absolutely. Right? Because they the normal members think it's this. Right? They think, hey, I'm uh I'm part of this group, whether it be religious Maybe it's just an organization and they are working under and have joined under the premise that they are, you know, maybe it's a, uh, oh, shoot. When's a good example. Well, it's like if you, if you join the
1: Freemasons, you're like, look, I just want to hang out. I want to have good job prospects and uh, drink and show up at Mason parties. And then come to find out, son of a bitch, these guys are trying to rule the world. I didn't know they were trying to rule the world.
0: That type of surprise. Exactly. Yeah. The blood okay. of Vol is a good example from Eberron, which is a religious organization in the small groups of followers, they don't know the true motives and goals of the upper echelon, which is to support the ancient lich of vol, and, and have that person rise up and start manipulating well, the snot out of what's going on. Well, that seems bad. Not if you're a GM. <laughs> Not if you're a
1: GMA. Good point. So now these are cool. We, t- we basically said, okay, Interesting. Interesting, cool stuff, right? There's great support. There's cool stuff you can get. One of the things that I have, I've not had it happen often, but every once in a while I've had where the organization, if it's not a um, a plot device or something along, along those lines, kind of within the game master space, he or she's using it to, you know, here's a great place for NPCs. This group's against this group. The guilds are fighting, blah, blah, blah. But I have had it on occasion where the player leans so heavily on that support organization saying, well, you know, I paid my dues. I'm expecting this group to support me. And, you know, it says right here in the charter that as a fighter, I have access to, you know, free arms and equipment or I get a free place to stay or something on those lines. Have you ever had it where players have used it as a crutch <laughs> kind of thing where you've where it's almost become like a, uh, a guild based safe house?
0: Are you saying like where they've leaned too much on being part of the organization that they, they, it restricts them from being able to do things that they may as if they weren't.
1: Not necessarily. Well, that is one option, but the other is that the that's mommy and daddy at the guild will fix all my problems for me.
0: Oh, I can go do whatever
1: it is I want because I'm a member of this thing and the guild will cover for me.
0: So I think what you can do, I, I haven't run into that specifically, but one mechanic that you can implement, you know, Night's Black Agents has a heat mechanic. So as the agents go through and start blowing shit up, they their heat factor increases, and the more heat they get, the more attract uh, more attention they gain to themselves, unwanted attention. And the GM can start going, "Well, you're going to go through customs. Great. Yeah, remember that building you just blew up? That your face is like posted around all the TVs and." you know they've got sniffer dogs at the airport yeah good yeah, luck with that yeah yeah they know who you are right exactly so you could potentially say hey you're going to bring heat on our organization and he could be in this fat in this point the organization could be public but it's bad publicity so you take that and you can you know turn i mean just because they're part of the organization doesn't mean they're rooted there forever they can get booted out
1: absolutely that was the, in uh Fritz Lieber's Lankmar of well, the thing, the Thieves' Guild, <coughs> excuse me, of Lankmar, is a, is publicly known, and um, everyone is pretty sure that Grandmaster Crovis is the guy who runs the damn guild. And if the Thieves' Guild loses face, right, if there's heat on them, or people get caught, or they do things, or you fuck up, the guild will only cover so far. There are penalties and other, and there's negative aspects of being a member of the guild, not in good standing. Not only just, hey, I paid for this thing, but perhaps that, um, member of the rangers guild or that fighter or noble knight has um <laughs> stretched stretched his luck one too many times and uh and i uh, brought you know brought shame to the to the red dragon corsairs and well guess what the red dragon corsairs want nothing to do with you anymore you can t- uh, to your point you can get booted out and as such you're a black mark upon them and they may uh they may be more than happy to try to scrub you <laughs> if necessary
0: you know, that's a good point. I mean, the maybe. Burn sp-
1: the, the burn spy concept, right? You're yeah, done. You're yeah, gone. It's
0: time to, maybe it's not even like, uh, maybe you're more of a risk and more of a liability and they just need to get rid of you. So now, not only are you trying to keep yourself on the down low from just being, you know, attracting the guild, which you were a prominent member of, now they all want to kill you. Yeah. Maybe you know something that they don't want anybody else to know. Yes, very true. Shooting your mouth off in the bar one night. So the
1: other thing I have, so what we're talking about this, this struck me as well, is sometimes I've, I've run a game before and went, you know what, I really, I don't have a guild or I don't have something in mind. It would be, oh, I didn't introduce this at the beginning of the campaign or whatever it was. You'd like to put a guild or a class organization in place. Sometimes that's fun and it can be really cool when the character's in a D and D game or a DCC game, whatever they go from town. A, they have a counter this thing. They've done this deed. They go to town B start bragging about something. And then a group of fighters like pulls the other fighter side and goes, look, Jack, um, we don't talk about that stuff here. And you're like, what do you mean? We don't talk about that here. Hey, in this town, you know, it's the brotherhood of the silver of the silver vampire. And this is how we operate and blah, blah, blah. Oh, I, well, shit. I didn't know. So you can inject these different groups in places and kind of a social faux pas to, you know, well, and to go back to Fritz Library's Lankbar, if you're a non-sanctioned guild thief, non-sanctioned thief by the guild, right? You're just a renegade thief and you get caught thieving, they will hunt you down and kill you because they won't have any of that. It's not like you can just get away with it. You're a scab. You're a scab. Scab thieving.
0: Non-union non so, member, not paying dues. and Not paying dues. That's right. They're so getting, getting, think, cutting into their business.
1: Exactly. So you think mm-hmm. like a Knights Black Agents thing, you're in some expat expatriate bar somewhere in you know Greece shooting your mouth off about this That's job business. you did while exactly. you were a so member think- of the CIA or something. You could have a bunch of spoofs be like, look, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know That's not how we roll around here. Um, even if you hadn't planned to have it be an overly... Um, Omnipresent thing in your campaign. Sometimes it's it's uh, a great organize, it's a ready made set of NPCs who either like or don't like you for some reason. I could see the players, I have done it before too, where the players have done a thing and like, man, I really like to reward them with something. We talked about this a number of episodes ago. I can't remember which one. So start at one and listen forward until you can find out where the hell I said it. But when you're rewarding people and you're like, look, we'd like to make you a member of the, you know, of the Gilded Daggers. What are the Gilded Daggers? Oh, um, it's that organization. You can bring up a guild that you've not introduced before because the players have done this amazing thing. This secret group brings them in and says, Hey, we are the pathfinders. We try to do this. The the same type of amazing daring do that you and your compatriots do. we like to bring you into organization so you can introduce this stuff because the reason I'm bringing that up is because Sean and I talked about how a lot of it has to do at least the first part of it. Like Ebron was preset. My Avalon world, a lot of that stuff is preset. Um, Dragonlance preset. If you don't have it and you want to inject it, you can do it. It just kind of as a reaction to player character activity.
0: Have you ever done that, Sean? What create one based on player character activity?
1: Yeah, just kind of ad hoc. You know, I went, Oh shit, you know what? The this guild, I've I've got a guild in Eberron that could be engaged here. The player's been doing something. I need an idea and just kind of thrust it into limelight, something that they weren't aware of.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure I have. I just the example doesn't come to mind right at the moment.
1: Okay, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. Ha, ha, no. I did something you
0: haven't? No, I was just curious if you'd done it and if you
1: had an example. I'm sorry, that was a terrible question. Back there. Yeah. So the other the other piece here that can happen is we we mentioned Eberron has a lot of them. My Avalon world has a lot of them. You can, unless you are prepared as a game master to use all of them all the time, it can be a lot of work. So my advice is that when, when I am running an Avalon and, or I would do the same thing with Eberron, if I had a ton of different guilds to work with, I would pick a few that would most likely intersect with the players trying to make some notes or some kind of concept like, Hey, yeah, these five would be fun to interact with what's going on right now and maybe leave the Bards Guild out of it because there's no Bards in the group. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right there's really no need to inject the bards into this thing. And hey, there's no real need to worry about the thieves guild because we're not well, we're going out to kill a dragon. We have nothing to do with you know the thieves guild in the city right now. So I think kind of if you're going to do it, especially if it's your first time cranking through guilds or some of these different organizations and stuff, what the in a class specific world like a D and D, if you've got a fighter, a thief, a mage, and a cleric in the group, there you've got four different class groups or guilds or organizations you can come up with with the players to figure out how to support them there's really no need to have the paladins or the knights or the rangers or whatever else because there's no one of that class there's no need to flesh out the grand druids entire hierarchy because there's no damn druids in your group um same with um an espionage game right if everybody is all a member of archer and they're fighting specter or whatever's going on you probably don't need to really blow through the entire NKVD because that's not part of this adventure. So yeah. kind of bite up, just bite off in small chunks.
0: You're also assuming though, that each class has their own specific focus. Like, Oh, a fighter guild, thief guild, magic user guild, like each one okay. has its own majority of the organizations, at least in the fantasy realm of D and D many are open-ended. They, they are like,
1: now they used to not be used to have like fighter groups and thieves guilds and they're very class. They're very class based. Well,
0: way back in the day. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, and there are some, but a mm-hmm. lot of them will have, you know, if it's religion based, it'll be clerics, paladins, fighters. If it's going to be, um, oh, I don't know. Druidic in uh, base wardens of the wood is an example. in Eberron, they're going to be druids and Rangers. Now, if somebody said, "Well, I want to be a part of them, and I'm a bard," unless you're like me and say, "Oh hell no," because that train doesn't stop there. <laughs> yeah. there's no reason. To, no, a, that's, a reasonable game
1: master would he would he
0: obviously. That love is to be completely that. ridiculous, player. It's not in the book that bards can join that group. Of course, you can have the latitude and and play maybe outside the lines a little bit, and you know, be that kind of GM and make everybody happy. And allow them to do that, I guess.
1: Sean's actually having an ulcer right now. I can Sigh. tell his stomach. <laughs> <just>. <laughs> <laughs> Arr, rage. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I guess where I was going with from um, from the, the character's perspective is that if you have, using a class base, which is kind of where uh, Pemberfoot's um, questions were, if you have X number of classes, like, hey, guilds and organizations is the, that support the classes present, in whatever way shape or form like if it's a brotherhood of the woods or whatever the hell you named it um, what, what was it called wardens of the wood wardens of the wood okay so if the wardens um, can encompass all of those and players like yeah we'd all like to be part of the same organization that'd be great perfect here's an idea I'm gonna have you go off on this adventure anyway It totally makes sense that you're all part of it it can also be one of those pieces that from a uh, making characters parameter you can say look everybody needs to be a member of this guild because that's an important part of this, um, of this adventure series. Oh, great. Yeah. All right, cool. I'll we'll be part of the, as you said, with the Pathfinder Society, yeah, be a member of the fucking Pathfinders Guild because that's really part of what you kind of need to do in order to be part of this thing. So that could be cool.
0: Nice. Got anything else, man? So I think if you are wanting to, to build your own organization, mm-hmm. I think it has to have a few characteristics. Ooh, okay. What do you got? One could be regional based, like region. Is, there, is it based out of a particular region? Is there a base of operations? Is it out of a town, a village? Does it represent a state, a country, a province?
1: Yeah. Is it cultural, all that stuff?
0: Right. Yeah. Could be based on race. One end of all the same here. Race. Mm-hmm. Okay. Class. Could be alignment. So you could have any race, any class, as long as they follow a particular alignment. Okay. Yep. And then maybe religion, which may not have to do with alignment. True. Absolutely true. So I think it's got to incorporate one of those four, if not multiple of those four. And then I think it has to have a cause. And that could be one of these. Acquire knowledge, dominance, wealth. Revenge, higher cause, and power. And power could be kind of lump some of those in, right? Because somebody could equate the quest for power to acquiring knowledge. So maybe they they gain power through knowledge, right? So some of that kind of ties in and overlaps. Well,
1: that's where you get that's where you get like the shadow piece, where ostensibly this whole group of esoteric librarians is simply. You know, recapturing lost knowledge so that it's an open library when the upper echelon, the, you know, the five seers at the top, those ladies, what they all are all about is overthrowing the king because that's what they're there to do. They're going to use the knowledge as actual physical power to go destroy the overlord. There you go. Okay. No.
0: Then I also think that you have to. Determine how that works in the game as far as membership goes. So can can a player character join? Is it publicly open? Or does it simply exist? Maybe it is an order that exists in the game and a player character cannot join for whatever restriction because maybe it's just an old order and they already have their membership and that's it. Or you could role play it out and say, nope, we're not taking anymore. Or nope, you're not worthy, whatever that is. But there's a membership or non-membership. So, like the Seven Sisters in Forgotten Realms is pretty locked down. I didn't see kind of a way to, to like, oh, you join this. It's kind of like there, as an entity.
1: Yeah, it's kind of well, with Circle of Eight in Greyhawk, right? Right. I mean, back in the day, you were Tenser, Rary, Mordenkainen. That was you mean that it's this group of people. That's it.
0: Versus the Pathfinder Society, where it's completely open and it's kind of facilitated that way. Now there's sex, sects, not sex. Zug, zug, sex. Sex, area, uh, different groups within the Pathfinder Society, right? They have loyalties to different countries. Fair enough. Okay. Even though they're part of the Pathfinder Society. So that's one another thing on the join membership, if it's available or not. Then also differences internally. So plotting and scheming amongst internal members or sex. And then not knowing the true to motivations of leaders, maybe they do, maybe they don't. What is the external perception in the you world? You could actually,
1: you could take an entire kind of the, <clears throat> excuse me, the, almost the, um, the millennium group from uh, the millennium TV show, uh, the Chris Carter, um, kind of the x files spin spinoff thing. There's different groups within it. And as Frank Black, the main character there is trying to figure things out, He's up against different components and people trying to get in or get out or manipulate and do. You can have an entire campaign based upon you're part of the KGB and how the hell uh, does this function, right? The entire, yeah, the the whole campaign could be about just living within that world. Yeah. And trying to sort that out. Nice.
0: Okay. Then you can go into how is it led? Is it led by a group or is it led by a single person? Or is it led by a single person, you think, but it's manipulated by a group or manipulated by another person? And does the party even know or don't know? hmm And I think those
1: type of questions are those type of questions are solid. The other cool part is that if you don't answer them all immediately, that's totally fine. Like say you're playing a D&D game and the characters are first level, they're really not sure you as <clears throat> a game master haven't forced them to be part of anything. They start to interact with different Uh, organizations or sects or cults or guilds and um, different societies. And they start manipulating through this stuff. And as they go through, they start to learn different pieces and parts. And then a lot of those questions can be answered as they go along. And then they can find out that, Hey, you know, I really like to join this. I'm sorry. You can't because you're not one of the old men of Luskin and therefore you can't get in. Oh, wow. I thought that's really, I want to be part of the seven sisters. Sorry. You know, we're, we're closed. No more, no more people can get in here. <clears throat> but then that also helps you as game master. If the players kind of in a traditional D and D type of game or a DCC game and, or something where they're just kind of it sounds, it sounds horrible to say just, but they're crawling through dungeons, killing monsters and taking their stuff. And this is a blast. We're playing through modules. We're having a good time. And it's okay that there's guilds or cults and things that they have to deal with, but they don't want to dig into it really far it's legit to leave those questions unanswered because nobody cares and use the game master. don't really care, but uh, having those out there, um, if nothing else helps you flesh out the world and different NPCs as components of that master thing that you're building or building in part. Yeah. I like that. Damn Sean. You had me on the ropes there, man. That was good. That was good. Anything else?
0: No, oh, dude, I could talk another half hour about this, but... You sure? I'm, oh, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if you're good,
0: cool. All right, let's get into die right, roll. Then.
1: Yeah, if, if other people have uh, ways they've used guilds and such, let us know. We'd love to hear more about it.
0: Yes, by all means, write in and let us know how you handle groups, organizations, and your role-playing games. Uh, this week, die roll. Brett's got four, I got three, got one from a listener, Brett, the floor is yours. Well, thank you, sir.
1: So, Frog God Games has a Kickstarter out there for Swords and Wizardry, wizardry Complete Rule Book Third Printing. Um, this is one of those Kickstarters that I'm looked at and went, oh geez, uh, do I really need this? Do I really need this for a buck, a mere dollar? You can get the PDF. Um, this thing has 28 days left to go as of today, October 9th. So there's plenty of time to get in there. It's funded. They wanted 12 grand. They've got almost 20. Um, and for 35 bucks you get the PDF and the hardcover. So damn, that actually looks pretty good. And it's Frog God Games. Um what I looked into they they deliver, so I would feel confident and comfortable giving these folks my money. I think that's something that they could do. Yeah,
0: and on, they're so. not recreating the wheel on this thing. I mean, it's it's no, a game no. that's existed. They just re they changed all the art. It's an all female art team. And, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, good point. And project good point. team. But they're they're not doing... I don't think they're doing anything to the rules whatsoever. No. It's because it's out of, I guess, pseudo out of print or running low on the second printing run. Yep. And so I did read a couple of obnoxious posts. I won't get into it here, but gamers, if you're one of those obnoxious people that gets bent out of shape about this crap, like there was, for an example, there was a guy. Yes, it was a guy, go figure, that had something to say about, like, you know, if you... Aren't a big fan? You're a fan of the game and the company, but you don't want this edition or something. You know, consider buying the second edition because I think the second edition you can still buy. Yeah, you like,
1: get a PDF for like
0: something. five bucks or something, really cheap. And yeah. this one person went into a tirade about, well, if I'm a paying customer, uh, cost, you know, why shouldn't I be able to gripe? And then they should be able, they should listen to me because I'm a customer of theirs. Oh, shut up! The and all this that. other crap, and I'm like, dude. Can, 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 get out of my internet. Yeah.
1: That's just that's just a, some internet turd. Pay him no heed. Right. All right, next up, Forrester Gary, listener of the show, friend of the show, and he's going to be running games at Game Hole. so I hope you're there to see that. Um, <clears throat> he has a podcast called Glowburn. Link in the show notes. He uh told us about it. Um, he's got some cool stuff out there, so give him a listen. Um, always good to help a friend. And uh anyway, link in the show notes to Glowburn. It's Forrester Gary, so that means it's gonna be cool. I like Forest. It is good stuff. It's gonna be fun. Next up is there is a ghost town in New Jersey. This is a um link in the show notes, an abandoned town in New Jersey that uh, most people apparently still stay pretty far away from. It's um sometimes I think as Ken Height would say, you know, you start with start with Earth and um when you come up with different ideas and plot hooks and so forth. I didn't even know this this area existed it just sounds like a great place to put an adventure yeah speaking
0: in <clears throat> new jersey, jersey.
1: and yeah. speaking of bizarre <laughs> d- deserted places there is a abandoned church in indonesia referred to as the chicken church that's right it's a chicken church it looks like a big fucking chicken shaped church um yeah uh <laughs> It is a massive chicken with a crown on its head, a cross on its back. It's kind of something you have to see these pictures and go, really? Really? But anyhow, yes, a large chicken church. I, I sense. <laughs> I see. I tell you what, after talking to Forrest about Globurn on G+, I saw this. I'm like, I could see Forrest writing an adventure in the chicken church, like a DCC adventure. That's got to be a part just, of it. It would just get fucking brutal. So Anyway. It's out there. Take a look at that. I had to. I had to sh- tell people. Sean, over to you, sir. All
0: right. Uh, Call of Cthulhu Sixth Edition House Rules: A Resource for Call of Cthulhu and Delta Green Aficionados. I don't know if Anders actually <laughs> runs this blog or not. I saw it on um, RPG Group on Google Plus. Somebody posted it. It's a PDF that somebody just said, "Hey, here's my house rules for Sixth Edition." And then if you go to the site, there's even more resources. For those two games. I did ask Anders, like, hey, is this your site? Because I couldn't figure out who actually logs on that site. Um, So it might be Anders uh, Hidden Bjork Lager. I'm not sure. But if it is, check it out. Link in the show notes. Black Mirror Season 3 is coming to Netflix on 21st of October. If you are not getting those emails about that or if you haven't seen the trailer, I will link to the video trailer for Season 3. If you're not familiar with Black Mirror, I think it's pretty cool. It's kind of a cross between modern day futuristic um technology uh it's fiction. Uh it's British. Uh and I say British because they release it on the BBC like six episodes a season but like each episode's like an hour and a half with no commercials. Uh I think it's six. And uh It's very close. Some of the critics talk about how close it is to our current modern day, right? Um, I won't spoil some of the examples because if I do, it'll spoil the entire show. But if you haven't watched Black Mirror and you're kind of into science, not even science fiction, kind of a little bit of Twilight Zone um, with a social media bend, like kind of like what happens when social media goes awry or we take it to another level, I had not heard of this
1: dude. Oh, yeah. and now I am intrigued. Season three. Shit, that means I've got me two seasons to watch. Two seasons, okay. you'll be able
0: to burn through them pretty quick. They're, the episodes are longer, but they're. I mean, you're not talking about a ten show run. I think it's like six. Honestly, that's a sucky thing. Like you, sick, you watch six of them, you're like done.
1: Like, oh, that was awesome. Oh, I'm yeah. all done.
0: And they're yeah. all, and they're no, they're not tied to each other. They're all individual. Oh, okay. They're all individual vignettes. Um, Interesting. So you, yeah, so it's like watching, like, I don't know for two, two seasons you're looking at 12 episodes almost 12 movies worth
1: not bad okay
0: with some very decent notable actors uh, last one i saw of season 2 had john hamm in it i know in season 3 they've got uh, the guy who plays oh and not only john hamm but uh the woman who plays in the game of thrones i forget her name she oh
1: okay oh, shoot anyways anyway
0: check it out uh, number, my last one, Tim Kask, um, there's a video, YouTube video that has a two hour uncut question and answer video of Tim Kask, where he talks about the first five years of TSR that was recorded at Gary GaryCon just this past March in 2016. So if you want to know more about the early days of TSR, uh, you can get it straight from somebody who lived through it. Nice. Yeah. And from
1: listener, we've got Matt emailed us. He said, I have something I think would be cool for your roll section. I'm from Canada and our postal service just released some haunted themed stamps based on stories across Canada. They could provide people with some ideas. So we've got a link in the show notes out there to the website, Canada post. Interesting. (laughs) I didn't realize there were the Bell Island hag, um, the lady in white, the phantom bell ringers of the St. of the Kirk and St. James. Oh, my God. <laughs> Apparently, Canada is haunted, or at least parts of it can be. Interesting.
0: Sounds like they have cooler stamps for sure. Apparently. I used to, I used to collect stamps, man. Talk about uber nerd. You were a philatelist. I think I still, is that what it's called? I didn't even know.
1: <laughs> yes, philatelist.
0: I actually, ha- I still think I have my stamp collection, <clears throat> but it's not worth a damn because I, I collected stamps that had postmarks on them. Idiot.
1: I know. <laughs> anyway, oh, and uh, speaking of Canadians, I do want to say happy Thanksgiving tomorrow. Um October 10th is the uh Thanksgiving for Canada. So, happy Thanksgiving, Canada.
0: Yes, cool. may may everybody have thanks and give thanks f- from our Canadian folks.
1: Eat much, game game well and uh drink some good uh beer up there. Eh?
0: Yeah. And speaking of beer, Saturday night, Game Con, we will be featuring a, some beer uh, for yep. folks to take advantage of. Game Hole is a gaming convention here in Madison, Wisconsin, the first weekend of November. Get your ass to Game Con. You can visit gameholecon.com for more information about the convention. I think uh, event registration and badge registration is going to be wrapping up here as soon as this drops. There's-
1: yeah, it ends on what we drop on Tuesday. And it ends on Thursday, the 13th.
0: We'd love it if you could make it there. Uh, and they're a proud sponsor of our show, so we appreciate it. Oh, and in addition to that, I want to thank uh, Gothridge Manor, who wrote a, a nice review for us on iTunes. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Gothridge, Absolutely. Thank yeah. you very much. Gothridge Manor or GM. Uh, nice. Well uh, done. Brought it all the way around. I wonder, if we he, love our- I wonder if he realizes his <coughs> initials are GM. Probably does. Probably does. Yeah.
1: So reviews are great, and it's awesome that we – when people give us a good review and people like us. And I can tell you, though, what what's even better, though, Sean, is, of course, when people tell other people about the show. That's how the – that's how shows like this get, get spread around. I mean, like – um, for to gary's glow burn. the reason people will know about it is because we're telling you guys about it and then you're gonna listen to it you're gonna tell somebody else about it if you like it so if you like us or if you uh if you hate us and you're like god this guy suck but you know what my friend would like these two idiots <laughs> feel free to pitch us to your friend who would like us um it would be great tell uh tell Do people it! About us cool Are we good man cool we're good brett what are we talking about next week Next week, I want to talk about traps. We haven't talked about traps. We're going to talk about traps.
0: It's a Grimtooth episode.
1: It might be a Grimtooth
0: episode. You have the big book, oh, don't you? Oh, do I ever?
1: <laughs> all right.
0: Sweet. Well, that's a wrap. I want to thank everybody for listening uh, for Gaming NBS. I'm one your host, Sean.
1: And I'm Brett. Good night and good gaming, and all.
0: Gaming NBS, produced with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Steve Day, Jeff Rotemacher, Forrest DeGarry, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Misdirected Mark Productions, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, Old School DM, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Jason the Beard Blaylock, Remy Billado, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Merkel Freilich, Wayne Lumrunner Runner James Carpio, Not nah Caprio, Tony Baker, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Eric Tankar, Brandon Barnes, Mark Tasaka, Brett Pazinski, Tim Shorts, and Eileen Barnes. Consider becoming a patron. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you can support the show for an entire month. Whoa.